Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slippery sheepskin. <laughs> <laughs> When Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. <laughs> you can't unhear it, you know? <laughs> At the time, it was groundbreaking. <laughs> a combination of invention and craftsmanship that remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. We are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off select items, including on the iconic Clark's Desert Boot by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. Requirements pre-roll, mid-roll. No, fuck! <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Sean. This is what I wanted to save for when we were recording. All right, because it's so important for so long. Okay, now, but it's it's not a joke. It's true. You smell like an old Nintendo to me, which yeah. is a very homey. No, no, no. But like, it's like there's something about you that just like, smells like a '64 game. Yeah, but you're describing cooked dust. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's just dust that's been baked. I mean, isn't that really cooked skin? It's kind of old. (laughs) A lot of dust is like um, is like clothing fabric, like little cotton schmutz. It's meant as a compliment. You have a very nostalgic flavor to me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You you say a lot of words. Sometimes the the way that they're compliments is a little a little twisted. You just have to. It doesn't sound like a compliment, (laughs) but I'm telling you, it's a compliment. All right. Um, So, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. So, you know, two-thirds of this pod are male, um, uh, which is usually great. No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, the only, the only parts of the pod that speak are male. Now, that's not on purpose. We beg Stacy to contribute all the time, and she just, she's too good for us. So she, she, does, she doesn't join. <laughs> she's busy knitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is ironically <laughs> yeah. like a pretty uh, gender role traditional kind that's of thing. That is it. But like, you know, when Sean came up with today's, when he invented, when he discovered, <laughs> when Sean discovered today's podcast topic, I had no clue what it was, actually. I just went rolled with the punches because Sean's a scientist. <laughs> and apparently this is a, a disease that Sean learned about pretty late in life as well, actually. And that's despite Sean being just generally more competent. Today we're going to talk about endometriosis. Yeah, so I would say that endometriosis is maybe a word that I had heard by high school. Again, I, I really think it was like 
I think it was Hey Arnold. Okay. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I think I was like endometriosis. <laughs> we gotta look that one up. Uh, but I didn't really know what endometriosis meant or right. how large scale a problem this right. is. Right, you never experienced it. <laughs> yes. That is accurate. That's true. I have never experienced it. Yeah. But it happens to impact probably around 1 in 10 women. So 10% of women ages 15 to 50 throughout the world. And that accounts for about 176 million women worldwide. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. And because I was kind of ignorant about this condition for a good chunk of my life, right. while I was researching this episode, I still learned a lot of things. Even though I've kind of picked up some information about endometriosis. Yeah. There's still a lot to learn for all you folks yeah. out there. And then there's still a lot science needs to figure out. You know, when I read the notes, I didn't learn a thing. Uh, but that's because not because I knew that stuff. It's just like like ideas just go through me like shit through a goose. <laughs> you were eating pizza at the same time. Yeah, and you can really only either eat or think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and I've been like, you know, I've been eating vegetables during the day. And so I was swallowing whole pizza. Like I like inhaled pizza. I was so hungry. Uh, well. So I was not thinking about endometriosis a whole lot. This episode's going to be interesting. But let's go ahead and get into it. So uh, this is actually our second time recording this segment. Uh, We kind of had a bit of a technical difficulty the first time. So here's an experiment. I'm going to teach you (laughs) about endometriosis. You know, we're about to talk about what exactly is the endometrial, right? What's the the organ (laughs) pulsating in your body? (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. No, no, I'm going to get this going. So, So what is endometriosis? To begin, we have to turn back the book and start with what endometrial cells are. In the uterus, there's these cells, this lining, okay, kind of usually a very thin lining called endometrial cells. And um, these sticky little guys, right, when you're, um, when you're like a little baby, right, you're called a blastocyte, right? And, <laughs> and you go, you go through the fallopian tube, and endometrial cells like catch, and you're like right onto the endometrial cells, right? And, <laughs> I mean, I'm right so far, though, right? From one disaster to another. <laughs> okay, let's stop this experiment. So, Sean, so what is endometriosis? Yes. Okay. So you know, Nathan, I will say that you didn't do that bad of a job, right? Realistically. It was more that my <laughs> my tone exuded such incompetence <laughs> that it's impossible to believe anything. Yeah. The narrative threads were were not there. Well, I was going to say, in this second go-through, you need to pretend no less than you actually know, because right. I did such a good job teaching you the first time. Okay, okay, okay. But, yeah, so we have the uterus, okay? Right. And in the uterus, there's kind of this inner area where eventually... A little blastocyst. That's when you have the egg fertilized by the sperm and it started dividing a little bit. The little blastocyst is going to come into the uterus and it's going to implant into the wall of the uterus. Some of the lining there. And that lining is made up of endometrial cells. They kind of go... Yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, specifically, that rare process yeah. is linked up to the menstrual cycle. Right. With the idea that if you do have this kind of fertilized blastocyst coming in, it's going to need like a really nice kind of fertile ground to embed into. Right. Okay. And so that's why your endometrial lining will kind of start out really thin. And then as the menstrual cycle progresses, it'll get some estrogen. The estrogen will tell it to start dividing. 
It'll get some progesterone. The progesterone increases the blood flow to the area, increases the nutrients to the area. Very cool. And kind of at its peak, that's when it's like the most receptive to a blastocyst. And if a blastocyst does come along and it lands in there, you can start to generate a placenta. You can start to have a fetus going. All kinds of cool shit goes on. Sexy. But... So if you don't have any kind of implantation going on, you have all this extra endometrial lining now built up. Right. And you got to get rid of it. You get rid of you it. You got to slough it off. And so in humans, some other primates, I think all other primates. Yeah. And then like bats and a couple of other species out there. No dolphins or nothing? They don't menstruate as far as I understand. Oh. In fact, I think most mammals overall don't menstruate. Damn, just us and bugs. That's crazy. That is what menstruation is, is getting rid of that endometrial lining. Right. You have that progesterone that you were getting cuts off. Right. And then that constricts the arteries in the uterus, and that makes it so the blood supply cuts off. And then that endometrial lining, it starts to die. And it gets whoop right out of there. Yep. Kicked out of the uterus, down into the vagina, and then expelled from the body. Nice. Okay. Now, that's the circle of life. (laughs) (laughs) That's the proper life cycle of endometrial cells. Yeah, yeah. And so So, the reason why I talked about endometrial cells is because their name is very similar to endometriosis. Right. Coincidence. (laughs) Not really. So the, the idea with endometriosis, though is not that it's a disease of the endometrial lining or something, right? But what it is instead is a condition where you find endometrial-like cells outside of the uterus. Okay, well, I mean, how many cells? That doesn't sound that bad offhand. How many cells? Yeah, I mean, if it's like two cells. like I mean, don't don't know if the audience remembers the scale of the cell, but two cells, that's not even that big. Uh, It's actually kind of a good question how many it would take... To really fuck shit up, huh? Yeah, but probably a handful. A handful of cells being extra naughty. Okay. Creeping out there. But the main idea, though, endometriosis at its most basic level is about endometrial-like cells. Okay. Hanging out somewhere outside of the uterus. So my understanding is there's three types of endometriosis, all relating to different places where it can appear. Endometrial-like cells. Right, exactly. What are the three, baby? Okay. Number one, ovarian endometriotic cysts. Okay. Also known as endometriomas or chocolate cysts. Okay, and they're called that because, see, I'm a good boy. Because they look like truffles, and if you cut them open, then you know they got bad, bad. They kind (laughs) of like goop out a little bit, and they're really grossy bros, right? Yeah, yeah, so their outside does not look like a truffle. Their outside looks like a fucking tumor. Oh, oof. But when you cut them open... yeah. There's this kind of old blood in there that's right. so old. Got like it's a kind viscous, of turned chocolatey into, gnarliness to yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like melted chocolate. Okay, super gross. Yeah, don't look it up. Okay. <laughs> and those form on the ovary, in the ovary, or sometimes on the outer surface of the uterus. Okay. Or on the back side of the uterus, which is apparently called the cul de sac. <laughs> doctors dude i don't doctors, know it's not my fault oh the my God. medical doctors did this okay so what's the second type yeah second type is superficial endometriosis okay okay so that's talking about forming on the surface of stuff generally in your peritoneal cavity that doesn't sound that bad right i mean it's just like uh 
I don't know, the superficial, right? <laughs> it does kind of sound that way. But the main thing, peritoneal cavity. Yeah. That's like one of two cavities in your kind of trunk right. space. It's the cavity with all the good stuff, right? Like the colon, the butthole. Yes. The, uh, well, it leads to the butthole. Yes. Right. The intestines. E- yep. Well, that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's all one, the same line of stuff. The intestines, the colon. <laughs> but like spleets. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spleen, kidney, liver, it's all that. It's just like rib under, right? Like... This yeah. not harder our lungs is like under right. that shit. The diaphragm is kind of the partition between mm. the peritoneal cavity and the mm. thoracic cavity where the heart and lungs are. That's why hiccups happen is because when I eat too much, <laughs> my whole peritoneal cavity is like, uh, 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 it's trying to break free. It's your diaphragm yeah. trying to like, like <laughs> knock on the ceiling with yeah, a broom. Yeah, the diaphragm's like, we can't take much more of this. But what that means is superficial endometriosis. Yes. It can form these little endometrial-like tissues on the surface of all of those organs hanging out in that peritoneal cavity. So that means the intestines, the bladder, you know, your stomach, all that kind of stuff. Okay, that sucks. And what you said earlier is true that superficial sounds not as bad. Right, but endometrial cells, they're sticky. Right. They stick to stuff. So all of a sudden, your organs start to kiss. They start to fuck. They start to mush, mush. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a glue, kind right. of. Ugh. Uh, and, and if we've learned anything, don't put Gorilla Goo on your organs, huh? That was a yes. big thing last month. Was it? Who, yeah, who did that? Gorilla Glue Girl. You heard about that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The lady, wow. like, used it as hair product, and, like, it, like, really didn't work out. Yeah, that, uh, news from last month feels like a decade ago. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, because endometrial, the at least this endometrial-like lesions, they can be kind of sticky, you can see organs end up getting stuck together right. when they should not be, right. like the bladder sticking to your intestines or something. Yeah. And then the third type of endometriosis is deep infiltrating endometriosis, cool. which is sometimes disconcertingly abbreviated dye. Okay, so dye, you're getting deep in the organs. Right. And, you know, mainly the same list of organs. Right. And these are deeper in, kind of at the smooth muscle layer. Right. So when it's deeper like that, and they kind of form these little lesions or almost like tumors in there. Right. You can already imagine, like, there's all kinds of problems that that can cause. Okay. And one of the things about all of these lesions these of these endometrial-like tissues, wherever they're forming, they can kind of cause an inflammatory response. Right. They're not supposed to be there. Your body's like, ah, get them off. Even though that they're your same cells. They're just so clearly not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be there, and your immune system does react negatively to them. Right. And it sets off kind of a chronic inflammatory condition where, you know, in the local spot... I mean, we all know inflammation when it's like a red spot on like our arm or something. It can be swollen up. It can be painful to touch. Right. Just imagine that in spots all over organs inside your body. Impossible. What? I can't imagine something I'm not seeing. That's what a guy told me once. He was like, how am I supposed to believe 500,000 people died of COVID? Okay, I haven't seen that. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, did you want to buy wine or not? (laughs) Wow, what a dumb bitch. That happened, dude. <laughs> That's not just me bullshitting. That's a dummy boy. Um, He's a businessman, Sean. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, he was. Case he was like, and point. He was like, I do business, okay? <laughs> I know this. <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> so, 
because inflammation can be associated with swelling and pain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And because you can have systemic cytokines and be systemically inflamed. Yeah. You have this big immune component going on with endometriosis. And because of that stickiness we were mentioning earlier and where all of these lesions can be, that means yeah. that there's a lot of symptoms that are associated with endometriosis. Right. And so why don't we take a break? And when we come back, let's talk about those symptoms. Yeah. It was 8.05 p.m. when John Doe approached his car. I did not know the man, but I had heard him having an argument with his wife, so I knew I would not be the prime suspect. I found a discarded lead pipe in the gutter and struck him three times across the head. Then my only problem was where to discard the body. This is Really True Crime, the first podcast brought to you by Real True Criminals. I had never seen her naked body, but I had oft imagined it in my more pensive moments. Good for strangling, I thought, as I strangled her. Every week, we recount our own true criminal activities to you to satisfy those dark urges within. Join us on Tuesdays, wherever podcasts are. Okay, so Sean, we've uh, we've described endometriosis. Well, I haven't. <laughs> You've described endometriosis, and it's sticky. That all sounds pretty bad. Yeah. But like, what does it actually do? So right. it causes inflation, I suppose. Inflation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't just give people money; it'll cause inflation. What's the Fed gonna do? Yeah. Endometriosis is out there causing inflation. <laughs> Jerome Powell will stop the endometriosis. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, inflammation. But, agreed. Right, yes. So, first of all, more than half of all of the people out there with endometriosis probably don't notice it because it doesn't have noticeable symptoms to them. Oh, that's good. Yes, although there can be hidden symptoms. Oh. So they might be kind of outwardly asymptomatic, right. but still be suffering from some issues of it. Right, okay. okay. Can you just give like a quick example of that? Infertility. Oh yeah, that's 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 a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How does having some endometrial cells on your spleen, how does that cause infertility? Yeah, so there's a few potential ways, but the spleen part is probably not the issue it's more like once we're talking about ovarian endometriosis or something right, right right so the ovarian cysts or ones on the uterus or something like that right those might be problems that makes sense. that can cause infertility but also one of the other symptoms is that people can suffer from pain during or after sexual intercourse yeah. and so that can make it really painful to have sex yeah some infertility issues might crop up from just like actually not really having sex that often. You know, 100% of men who have endometriosis actually are infertile as well because the thing that's getting gummed up is your urethra, <laughs> right? So you can't have a pee. He just comes out through the nose. So that's actually, that's actually uh, typically not correct. But, <laughs> oh, typically. Yeah, we can talk about. We'll talk about it later. Yes. Can't somebody please talk about the men? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say actually, and I wasn't gonna record this, but, but you know, here we are. We should do an episode that's just like about dick, right? Like, like, yeah, like I feel like this should be the companion piece of this episode is like penis problems. Yeah, sometimes penis goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone knew that. Yeah, maybe balls if there's not enough content for penis stuff. 
stuff. And then we should do about like penis reconstruction and penis transplants. Like I think that's like pretty interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like to to make a peen, you know? I think that's a pretty fun episode. So we could like be like endometriosis and make it a penis. I don't really think that these two things <laughs> are the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, they feel different. How about penodipidosis, right? Where like you grow a little bit dicks <laughs> like on your heart. <laughs> that's my problem. Yeah. Let's make that happen first. Uh, Dr. X-rayed me and he said, my God, there's penises all over your heart. Yeah, this man has dong heart. Um, okay. So. It's like Mr. Grinch. And then his penis on his heart grew three times that size. Loop, loop, loop. Oh, man. <laughs> Dr. Seuss, am I right? <laughs> Fucking. God, ban him. One of the most common symptoms just broadly with endometriosis yeah. is pain. Yes. Pain in a lot of different places and under a lot of different circumstances. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're getting inflamed and you're... I mean, is the pain from the immune response to the endometri, uh, the endometrial cells or like cells? Yeah, often, yes. Okay, cool. Often. Yeah. So that can happen painful periods. Right. I think a lot of menstruation can be painful. For right. Women, I mean, but... this is kind of where we get to how hidden endometriosis right. can be. Right. Is that there's so many things that we just kind of haphazardly assign to periods or the menstrual cycle that like then you're not really delving any deeper and being like, oh, well, this is a specific illness. Right. And historically, it's been a very difficult thing for doctors to diagnose because a lot of times, I mean, especially historically, doctors were very dismissive. Of I was reports. about to say, because they're like, ew, <laughs> right? And they went back to the bathhouse. And- or they were like, oh, your period hurts? Yeah. Like, well, fucking duh, yeah. bro. Like, come on. Well, that's, um, you shouldn't have eaten the apple, Eve. <laughs> you know? But that is one of the symptoms. Is very painful periods, painful ovulation. Yeah. Okay. Also pain during or after sexual intercourse, heavy bleeding or irregular bleeding during menstruation, chronic pain in the pelvis. Yeah. Infertility or reduced fertility. Yeah. Okay. And then on top of that, depending on where the lesion is, right. you can have pain while urinating, pain when making sudden body movements. Bummer. Okay. So like you might move around real quick. Yeah. And then because some of your organs are stuck together inappropriately, you can like feel that. Wow. It could also cause diarrhea or constipation, Man. nausea, migraines, hypoglycemia. Man, Stacy is grimacing a lot more during this episode than usual. Because mm. like most of the stuff, she's like someone else's problem. Right, like tuberculosis, she's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but also, I think a really key aspect of understanding the symptoms of endometriosis is that it has a very serious mental health component. Right. Because first of all, all of that shit super fucking sucks. Right? right. Everything I just said sucks. But also, it's chronic. Okay? Yeah. Like, it could be happening all the time throughout your life. It could be happening cyclically, right? So it's like, you know... At least once a month, you're going to be in excruciating pain. Right. Okay. But then on top of that, things like pain during sexual intercourse or infertility, there's a lot of like relationship stuff potentially tied up with that. Right. That's also a really difficult thing for someone to have to handle. Look, guys, imagine if your dick hurt whenever it moved. (laughs) Right? Like there's just some sticky cells up in that urethra. It just always hurt. That would impact your life all the time. Yeah, and I should also mention... I know most guys really need that help. (laughs) I know I do. (laughs) There's probably different kinds of pain with endometriosis. That makes a lot of sense because it can be all over different places. Right, but like one of your questions was, is that pain from inflammation? Because inflammation can cause the release of prostaglandins. 
And prostaglandins are the thing that you might take, like Advil or something, to try yeah. to cut down on. It's and like pure chemical prostate, right? <laughs> I, I'm saying that right. Prost <laughs> pro prostaglandins? Anyway. Um, <laughs> My idea is so wrong <laughs> that you question yeah. your pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. It just took me all the way back to first principles. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, am I, I a really scientist? <laughs> am but I really here breathing right? The main reason why that's happening is these lesions still respond to estrogen and progesterone. Right. Okay. And the endometrial lining in general is one that kind of um, calls to blood vessels. Yes. Because when Rawr! it's... Um, so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or like a, a conch. Yeah. 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 Uh, because the endometrial lining is supposed to be pretty blood rich, right? Yes. For, for when implantation happens. So these lesions all over the place no. can kind of start like almost bleeding mm. when the progesterone and estrogen levels in the body are kind of up. And when there's kind of just like random bleeds happening. Yeah. Immune cells get involved, and then they can send out those signals. But also, there's a process that can happen, especially with kind of more developed lesions, yeah. of nerves actually growing into the lesion. Mm. So that's like a very direct Yeah, that would really suck. Pain. Yeah, wow. And so that can be an entirely different and new level of pain yeah. <laughs> that some people are experiencing. So it's actually, uh, it's kind of idiosyncratic person to person. They might be suffering from a completely different level of pain than what you'd even expect. Jeez. You know, I'm going to tell you something terrible. I'm going to admit to something. Okay, no. I don't do that often. But I'm going to admit a terrible thing about me. <laughs> okay. When you said lesion, all I could think about for a little bit was like, I mean, first the show Legion. And then the biblical quote, uh, you know, we are Legion for we are many. And that made me think about like a sentient planet, like in a hypothetical Star Trek, the original series episode. And then there's like all these big lesions that are all like, like glowing at the same time as Kirk speaks to them. And they're like, we are Legion, we are many. And, and, and that's it. <laughs> and just cooks like how can we help you know like like it's like it's like endometriosis but on a whole planetary scale and the lesions are many so then like spock has to help so you weren't like fucking listening to me at all no no no, 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 no <laughs> just to be clear you you were you were imagining all of this fucking star trek but you started writing the script in your brain yeah <laughs> you just like fucking yeah, completely yeah. ignored all that leadership we open on kirk <laughs> in space <laughs> no no that's not true my mind works fast dude i'm a smart guy it only took me like three minutes to think of all that <laughs> How long have I been talking? Okay, anyway. So people who have endometriosis also have an increased risk of having other disorders. Wow, okay. Um, and it's not totally clear which direction that causal right. link is. Okay. Right. So it is associated with things like endometrial polyps. Right. Those are actually polyps involved with the endometrial lining right. itself. Ovarian cysts. So instead of the endometrial cyst, right. a different kind it's of ovarian cysts. cyst. A higher risk of infection overall. Autoimmune disease, allergies, coronary heart disease, giving preterm birth, having becoming Asian, apparently. <laughs> Hold on, we'll, we'll learn later. <laughs> Ovarian cancer, breast cancer, melanoma. Okay, I'm gonna ask a. This is probably it's probably a terrible question. All right, but I mean, is that because there's definitely some sort of correlation or even causation between these things or is that because endometriosis is one of those things that you can explain away those pains through a million ways to explain away like a woman's problem that once you start actually digging deep into endometriosis you start to also find mm. like you're seeing a doctor more often basically and so you can like like is it like a sample thing right right yeah so i think for some of these things the connection appears to be some kind of general issue going on in like the uterus and surrounding area. Okay. Right. So I'm thinking like, you know, the endometrial polyps, the ovarian cysts. Right. Right. So that suggests that there's some kind of issue there. Some of these other ones, autoimmune disease, 
infection risk, allergies, all point to an immune inflammatory issue, ah. right? Which also seems like something that you could see a link there with endometriosis, right? That makes right? sense. Some of the other ones, coronary heart disease, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, melanoma. It's a little harder to say, right? but it is also true that there does seem to be a link between kind of like broad immune dysfunction, inflammation dysfunction, right. and cancer incidence in general. Right. And the fact that two of the cancers that are like especially enriched, breast cancer and ovarian cancer, right. or some types of those, right. are linked to things like estrogen issues. Right. So you can kind of see links to the right. ones that we I haven't proven links yet in a causal sense, but right. like they're all thematically similar. Right, right. I mean, we're going to get into this more and more, but one of the unfortunate truths about endometriosis is that research is still really catching up on it. Yeah, you, Sean, just don't know much about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You That's individually true. are ignorant. <laughs> yeah, that is accurate. But also as a broad field right. and as a group of researchers out there trying to better define endometriosis this and is understand a rough it, one. they're still really working on it and yeah. they're still deep in the forest on this one. That's why it's often known as mystery E, right? Like we don't really know much about it. I, well... All right. <laughs> let's, let's take a break. <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. And Before then when we come back... Delving into what really causes mystery E. As far as we know, yes. The following is an actual advertisement. It's time. Let's check our cue, baby. it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes a It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com It's like, you know, listening to like my liberal hippy-dippy podcast, I've noticed that everyone started to call the idea that Trump actually won the election. People started to call it the big lie, which I think is actually quite good. I like the branding of it. Well, I think it's true, but like, well, like I like the branding of it. People in two years are just going to always know endometriosis as mystery E, and like, they're not going to know why, but like that happened here, Sean. <laughs> And we'll just quietly be like, oh, who came up with that? <laughs> wow. You're going to quietly anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the end of Batman. I kind of don't believe secret. you. Uh, okay. Well, and I, okay. I'm like Joseph Gordon-Levitt in general, really. What? God damn it. People used to think you looked like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We looked more similar when we were both younger. I think you're more handsome. And we have diverged since then. Yeah, you're handsome. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's a very good looking man. You, it's, a, it's hard to keep up. Your smile's so cute when I call you good looking. Oh you love it. No. Shut up. Stop it. <laughs> okay, what causes endometriosis? We don't know. We don't know. I really don't know. What a pain in the ass. Sean mostly doesn't know. Okay. And the broader scientific community is like pretty, woo, I don't know. Yes, so yeah. one thing that we can say is that it has a genetic component. Yeah, okay? brothers and sisters tend to share it. <laughs> Mothers and daughters. Yes. <laughs> sisters, especially twins. Oh, okay? wow. So okay. there is a strong genetic component. Something's going on here. Yeah. And some of the latest papers that I read 
are ones where they're really trying to dig into the genomes of people. Okay. And try to figure out what genes might be related to kind of that, that initiation of endometriosis. But we haven't really... There's no smoking gun yet. Yeah, not quite yet. Some, okay. some teams are converging on a few gene candidates, but it's cool. probably something like a lot of disorders that have a genetic component. It's unlikely to be one gene right. necessarily. And having all of those genes broken, like if it's 20 genes and you're like, you have them all broken, doesn't 100% mean that you're going to get endometriosis. Genes right? are way more whoopsie doopsie than like one would hope. Yeah, yeah. It's like things activate, things deactivate. And they're like the bottom layer. And then you got like all the rest of life and living right. that you put on top of it. Right. So there's a lot of things going on there. But there's also some hypotheses that maybe fetal exposure, like when you're in the womb. Right. To something might impact. But it's kind of controversial. Okay. It's kind of controversial because the evidence, you know, like a paper will come out saying like, oh, this thing did it. And then yeah. another paper would be like, that's bullshit. So like, it, it's still right. kind of all over the place. So I would say put a pin in that one for the future. Well, okay. we'll figure that out. But that's not as figured out as the genetic part. Like but we're pretty there, sure. But there are risk factors and correlative things, right? Like yes. Asian-ness. Yes. 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 So things that make you more likely to develop endometriosis. Having a uterus. Yes. Being Asian. Being married to Nathan. Uh-oh. <laughs> Prolonged <laughs> estrogen exposure. Right. Lower body mass index. You know, being married to Nathan is the same as prolonged estrogen exposure. <laughs> is it? Yeah, Stacey's got four out of five risk factors now. <laughs> Watch out, baby. <laughs> I mentioned the having the uterus thing. Maybe this is a good time to bring up men having endometriosis Why? thing. That's interesting. I'll mention it now, and then we're going to dive in even more to it once we get to the stem cell hypothesis. Okay. But point is, again, as a reminder, there are in the history books yeah. like 16 men. Wow. I think. Mm, yeah, something like 16 that have been diagnosed with endometriosis. Right, so it's probably actually 150 million. There's just not a men in it. <laughs> I doubt it's that many. It's pretty but... rare, but it does happen on occasion. I guess it can't be ovarian, of course, but it could be the other two, right? Yeah, usually I think it's the deep infiltrating kind. Well, there's only 16 examples then. <laughs> yeah. Was it like 14 out of 16? Mm, no, I'm not sure enough to know if it's okay. enough. Okay, but, but anyway, so yeah. sometimes dudes get it. Yes. But it's very, very rare. rare. If you're feeling pains, it's probably not endometriosis if you're a guy. Yeah. yeah. It's probably because you ate too much ramen. Gotta stop eating so much ramen. So we're not totally sure how these endometrial-like tissues are ending up all over the place. But there are basically two main hypotheses, and they're not mutually right. exclusive. This one's exciting. The first one is renegade menstruation. Nope. Try again. Uh, uh... Retroactive menstruation. Close. I'm trying not to look at the notes. <laughs> retrograde menstruation. Okay, what the fuck is that? Okay, so you know how sometimes some of the planets are in retrograde and it's like an astrology thing? Not really, man. It's like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, so I need to put my socks on backwards. No, it, I, I've heard that expression. It's just I don't know what it means, so it's not useful. <laughs> yeah, so retrograde means go in the opposite direction. Okay, okay. So menstruation often goes in a particular direction. Wait, Mercury can go in the opposite direction? It just means relative to us. Oh, okay. Yeah, its orbit keeps going around, but because our orbits are a little bit like... Right, the, right. We go at different speeds, yeah. you know? So sometimes we lap it and stuff yeah. like that. Anyway. What are you laughing about, Stacey? <laughs> Stacey's like, you idiot. You don't even know astrology? <laughs> yeah. Who did I even marry? <laughs> you don't even know Venus is at its zenith right now, you dumb fucks? <laughs> Sean's talking about how menstrual cycles go retrograde, and you're like, "Wait, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the more interesting." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Mercury's moving." I would calm down. Okay, yeah. so, so okay, so tell me what the fuck it means that you have retrograde menstruation. Yeah, so usually menstruation goes in a direction. 
Right. Most of the time goes from the uterus down to the vagina. Okay, so you can you can opposite that? You can go from the uterus up into the fallopian tubes. Oh, that sounds bad. And it'll float through the fallopian tubes. Yeah. And at the end of the fallopian tubes, you might think like, oh, aren't those things capped or some yeah. kind of shit? Like we don't keep track of that right. or anything? Yeah. The ovaries are sitting right by the fallopian tubes, sure. but do not seal the fallopian tubes. Oh. The fallopian tubes are actually left open to the peritoneal cavity. Ah. So you can leak the menstruation, wow. the menstrual fluid out of the fallopian tubes. I have never seen Stacey Grimma so much in an episode. This has to be the <laughs> first episode she's listened to in a year. <laughs> <laughs> like so, literally since we recorded about dogs <laughs> so like let's let's all take a moment what the fuck did anyone know yeah, about that shit that's totally crazy what i did not know on top of all of that you know so endometriosis we were like 10 percent right of women of reproductive age might have endometriosis it's like right. whoa that's a big number retrograde menstruation probably happens to like 75 to 90 percent of women at least once in their life wow yeah what is it what does it feel like my understanding is it's supposed to be like a little bit more painful than normal. Oh my god. <laughs> that made me realize what I really didn't know. So like <laughs> What's we, a we all do need to take a bunch of like, holy shit, whoa. Yeah, that's you know totally what I mean? crazy. That's kind of staggering. Oh my god. Okay. So because menstruation has mm. endometrial cells right. in it, right. you can kind of imagine it's it's almost like a slam dunk or like a no brain. It's like, well mm. fucking now you have those cells in the peritoneal cavity. Right. So totally that's how endometriosis happens. Right. So then a couple of things. I just mentioned retrograde menstruation is very common. Right. Way more common than endometriosis is. Right. So at the very least, having retrograde menstruation does not mean that you will definitely have It's not a one-to-one. of Yeah. Right. Retrograde menstruation then seems like a good potential reason why you might see the ovarian endometriotic cysts. Okay. And maybe the superficial ones. But what about them deep ones, baby? Right. How the fuck is that supposed to happen? Because right. if this is a situation where, like, let's say you have some of this menstrual blood and endometrial lining getting out into the peritoneal cavity, and out of all of those cells, maybe, like, one or two are juiced enough to be able to, like, latch on to your intestine or something right, like that. Right, right. From that point, digging in millimeters right when cells are as small as they are yeah that's a pretty tall order like right. that would be a tall order for like cancerous cells and right. they're like fucking ninjas when it comes to that kind of shit. Right. so like so okay so this hypothesis doesn't make that much sense then because retrograde menstruation is so much more common than endometriosis and it has no way to explain deep infiltration well, so this one is probably historically the most popular, like over the past 20, 25 years. Yeah, but Jim um, Crow used to be historically popular. You know well, what I'm saying? That doesn't mean that much. Let's not compare scientific hypotheses <laughs> to, to Jim Crow. Uh, okay, okay, let's okay, not yeah. do it. Eugenics used to be popular. <laughs> <laughs> it's still popular. I don't know what you're talking about. That's true. Um, so, uh, so this theory, I think it's very attractive for explaining two out of the three kinds of endometriosis. Right. But really, Wait, how does it get to superficial stuff too? I mean, like, how does it get to, like, splash in the stomach? Because once you leak out of the fallopian tubes, you're uh, in the entire cavity okay. where all those organs are hanging I out. see, I see. So it's not like you're just getting into ovaries because it's not sealed. It really is just, right. like, everywhere. I've actually heard some other kind of convincing medical things that, like, I really don't know that much about. Right. Which is that, like, I guess there's a little bit of fluid in your peritoneal cavity. Oh, my God. And it has a tendency to move, to like cycle around your peritoneal cavity in a clockwise fashion. Okay. Wow. And typically, 
endometriosis, the, the endometrial lesions right. tend to form more in sort of a clockwise direction from the ovary. Holy or shit. from the uh, uterus. Okay, okay. So, like, that's like, okay, well, you know, that all sounds kind of reasonable, you know? All right. But doesn't do shit for dye, right? For the deep right. infiltrating one. It really doesn't explain that. And so, there's this kind of other hypothesis right. out there. How do we ninja in there? Stem cells. Okay, so tell me about stem cells. So, I mentioned, hey, like, cancer cells can maybe pull off some of this, like, deep infiltrating stuff. Right. And potentially, maybe another kind of cell that could do this, maybe, is some kind of stem cell. Okay. Stem cells are typically cells that are able to turn into several other kinds of cells. Very cool. Okay. And so most of them are what's called multipotent, which means that they have that ability to turn into a few different kinds of cells. All right. There are some stem cells called pluripotent. Okay. And even ones that are called totipotent. And those are stem cells that can turn into, like, any kind of shit. You could take a totipotent stem cell and, like, turn it into a neuron or turn it into a heart cell. Cool. Or turn it into a toenail cell, you know, whatever, like any of that kind of shit. So these totipotent babies are, like, can turn to endometrial cells? Oh, sure. Well, so the only real totipotent cells are in the blastocyst that we talked about earlier. Right. But that's why a baby's magic. Yes. It could be anything. It could be an astronaut. Yeah, it could be a dinosaur. We don't dinosaur. fucking know. <laughs> it could be a dinosaur. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> potent. <Yeah. laughs> <So laughs> Why isn't it like omnipotent or something? Like, what does toady stand for? Total. Oh, that's dumber. Sounding. Sorry. It could be omnipotent. Yell at them. That's yeah. some other ancient scientists. Ugh, I hate Aristotle. Yep. Yeah. So in the endometrial lining, there are stem cells. Yes. That help replenish the endometrial cells. So these stem cells can turn into several kinds of cells that hang out in the endometrium. So hypothetically, if one of those stem cells ended up in some other organ somewhere. Right. Just kind of by a whoopsie daisy. It's flown around. Yep. Gets in there. And then, you know, I mean, of course, this is rare, but the disease is somewhat rare in in its deep infiltration form, right? Yes. Okay. So it's not that hard to imagine that the cell gets somewhere in a nook or cranny. It's not supposed to be in like the intestines, and then it starts to proliferate. Yeah, so there are some kind of complexities here. Stem cells usually don't like surviving outside of what's called their niche. Right. Like, usually they're, like, really carefully kept care of. Like, right. there's there's other cells around to, like, keep them as stem cells. They're like veal or something. God, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in any case... <laughs> hey, don't knock a good example. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, tastes great. <laughs> Just kidding. It's actually pretty boring. I was thinking like Wagyu. Oh, okay. It's like, it's like, it's like Wagyu. Yeah, and they get some massages and everything. Right. <laughs> so it's actually, it's a little hard for me to imagine a stem cell like making it okay. from the endometrial lining okay. to another organ and like still being chill. Doesn't pass the smell test. But I will say that there is another kind of small version of that hypothesis, which is that the stem cells actually come from the bone marrow. And they travel in the blood from the bone marrow to the uterus and then become the stem cells that are in the endometrial lining. That's kind of cool. So it's like those stem cells come from the bone marrow. Yes. And normally they like, you know, have their homing beacons on and they make it to the uterus properly. Okay, But what if they get sidetracked on their way to the uterus, right? And they have like a crazy adventure and they end (laughs) up in your stomach or something, right? (laughs) I'm just imagining like Bill and Ted for some reason. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like Bill and Ted. Just Keanu Reeves flowing around. And these goofy, dumb fucking stem cells end <laughs> up in like your intestine. And then, yeah, they're being all kinds of naughty. 
Okay. okay well, either way, how do we treat this crazy shit, though? <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, hold on. Before we go on to treatment, uh, okay. I do want to say that this stem cell one is one where the men, right. the rare men who have endometriosis... That starts to make a lot more sense. Right. Because if it's retrograde menstruation... It's that causes, really hard for a guy to get that. <laughs> yeah, they don't have menstruation. Most. Clearly, that's not the option there. Right. At least some endometriosis condition or endometriosis-like situation... Must have nothing to do with it. Right. It must be coming from some other source. And right. so if you imagine that that source is instead something like a stem cell... And that that stem cell could come from bone marrow instead yeah. of having to come from a uterus. Right. Then uh, suddenly some pieces are coming together. Okay. I do want to say scientists do not necessarily treat these two hypotheses as mutually exclusive. Right. It's entirely possible that when we create the term endometriosis. Right. We are describing something real. It's like there's endometrial-like right lesions in different spots but maybe as we discover more about the disease we realize it's actually two or three different diseases right yeah right. each and, one has a different pathology yeah actually. in in terms of their causative factor maybe they're coming from different spots right and so you know that's all things that need to be refined more and more as we understand this disorder better but yeah so then let's do this last section okay. how do we treat this disease okay pretty so, hard because it's a chronic illness right yeah, yeah. it's pretty tough one option is to try to deal with the pain and chronic inflammatory part. Okay? Right. Okay. And so for that, you know, people are taking like NSAIDs, uh, you know, like Advil or stronger versions, Naxaprin, stuff like that, to try to calm down the immune system, turn down the amount of kind of the pain signaling molecules that are out there. Okay. And so, you know, that is a pretty common option. How about hormone treatments? I love hormone treatments. Yeah. So because endometrial cells, like we set up all the way at the start, they respond to estrogen and progesterone as part of this menstrual cycle. Yeah. All of these little lesions also respond to estrogen and progesterone. Okay. In a cyclical fashion. Okay. Oh. Which, if you take birth control pills, right, those ones actually give you estrogen and progesterone, especially the combined oral contraceptives. Those ones give you those to kind of like change your cycle somewhat. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you can actually take that to manage endometriosis. It can make it so that the lesions don't become as painful. As right. often. They don't really go through a cycle. Right. Now, neither of those things, the NSAIDs or the hormone treatments, actually really change the fact that you have the lesions. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't, like, get rid of them. Right. It can just make it so that they don't hurt as often or something like that. Right. Now, one option where you can kind of get rid of them is surgery. Right. Sometimes that's way more doable than other times. And sometimes a surgery means you have this kind of like tumor looking thing growing somewhere. You kind of lop it off. Problem solved. Right. And sometimes it's a growth inside like the lining of your intestine. Right. And you need to like cut out a chunk of your intestine. Right. That sounds super terrible. And in some cases, we're talking about people getting hysterectomies and oh, having their wow. entire uterus removed or having the ovaries removed or both. Okay? Oh, my God. So in some cases, like, we're talking really drastic surgeries yeah. that can have a very big impact on people's lives. And then lastly, because one of the sort of symptoms that's tied into endometriosis is reduced fertility and infertility. Yeah. You can kind of say one treatment is to use assisted reproductive technologies like in vitro fertilization. 
Okay. Okay. And so far, the evidence seems to suggest that in future fertilization can still work with people who have endometriosis. That's good. So despite the fact that they have reduced fertility, in, some people have reduced fertility. Right. It seems like in vitro fertilization is still something that can help them even before they get surgery. Right. Like they don't have to get surgery first. Okay, so basically there's ways that you can treat elements of endometriosis, but the cause of it is so murky, we have no cure for it. I mean, I guess if you had just had one tumor-like growth or cyst, that's the cure. You get rid of that one cyst. There's no way another cyst emerges? Uh, so reoccurrence can't happen. Mm. So that means that you have a ovarian endometrial cyst. Maybe you chop that guy off and that one's fine. Ten years later, maybe you'll get a superficial endometriosis on right. your intestine or something. So reoccurrence can't happen with surgery. Surgery isn't a permanent fix, but it does get rid of the lesion that is currently there. I mean, I, th I think this really speaks to the gender inequalities in medicine and research, right? Yeah. The fact that so many people are afflicted with this disease that can be debilitating, and yet dicomediosis that we talked about earlier, that was cured in ancient Greece. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, at the very least, like, I don't know, you can take a pill to make your dick hard. Right. Right? It's like, oh, dick no work? Take this pill. Yeah. But with something that causes people, like, cyclical, progressive, debilitating pain. Right. It's like... <laughs> Are you sure you're even feeling it? Right, right, um, right. So, yeah, the very long history of gender issues here, imbalances in power and everything, right. definitely have made it so that endometriosis has been understudied and still we have a lot of understanding to do. The mysterious E. <laughs> Something we didn't talk about here but is out there is the idea of, like, diagnosis. Yeah. A lot of times diagnosis kind of standards are, like, biopsies. Right. Or like actually like getting in there with a laparoscopy and like looking at it directly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, we're kind of seeing that you can do things like MRI and actually get a pretty good feel for whether or not there are lesions in an area right. in a non-invasive way. So I think as technology is progressing, we're learning more and, you know, hopefully a lot of that's going to translate into the clinic. Right. And people can get diagnosed easier and right. quicker and we can see some progress made there. You know, another thing that's out there is the truth. Um, aliens, you know, big, uh, Bigfoot. I was going to say Big Bear. Big, big uh, feet. Yeah, yeah. David Duchovny. You know, that's he, also out there. He's out there still. Yeah, he's somewhere. Been <laughs> taking shots at the Chupacabra. Yeah, he's going to be in the next season of The Crown. Oh, boy. Jesus. Yeah, as Margaret he just Thatcher. Follows, he just follows uh, Gillian Anderson everywhere. Yeah. Okay. okay, yeah. So let's close this one out. Yeah. Thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. A uniquely uh, interactive performance from Stacy on this one. Yeah, lots yeah. of faces. Very cool. Thank you to Brian Allen for art. And you can go ahead and hang out with us on Twitter, at Dish Podcast. You can send us an email at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Yeah. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash PetriDish if you want to sign up to give us, like, a dollar a month or something. If you want to buy us coffee, you could go to UCLA. Um, <laughs> Sean works uh, at the CSNI building. You can buy him some coffee. Uh, yeah, sure. Just yeah. stand outside with a sign saying, yeah. Sean, coffee. Yeah, proof of vaccine, please. This is going to work out. Mm. Okay. All uh, tetanus shots needed. <laughs> yeah, toss a hep B shot in there, too. You can't be too careful. Sean, Sean demands a hep B shot. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we'll see you next time.